for understanding, proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles, the riddles of the wise. All right, brand new series. We're going to get jump started. Y'all doing good tonight? Yes. Me too. Now, here's the deal. We're going to start a brand new series called Riddles of the Wise. We're going to end this series, walk through the book of Proverbs to try to uh, display a bit of wisdom that you can apply to every area of your life. That's really what we're pursuing. See, we just had a series called Stories where we talked about your stories. We talked about the stories in the Bible and how ultimately all of them are the story of Jesus. But now that many of you have made decisions and 16 people got baptized last week and seven people accepted Christ, and it was ridiculous. It was bananas. It was crazy. Now that that happens, the question is, all right, well, what now? What do I do? How is it that I learn to walk with Jesus, to follow him, to trust and obey? Like that simple little song I sang you last week that I'm not going to sing again. And so the thing we want to go after is wisdom. How do we apply this to our life? How do we live in the proper way? But before we jump in, I want to take a second and do a little celebrating. Uh, so we just celebrated what happened last week. I'm pointing over here because that's, that's where the pool was, a little tub. Um, where someone did a cannonball. No, they didn't, but that would have been funny. Um, but I do want to take a second and celebrate something. Um, one of the awesome things about this place, about 12, so and I've been here for seven and a half years. So think about where you were seven and a half years ago. Young. Yep, that's how old I am. And seven and a half years ago, I started this place, and I started as a resident. And so we have a two-year residency. It's this incredible thing where people, as soon as they graduate college, are able to step into this full full-on training to become pastors. And I actually took part in this. I graduated from UGA, stepped right into it, and I've been here since. And so as part, I don't know why you're cheering, but I agree. Um, but So one of the things that we want to celebrate is every time we have people come through here at C12 that are in the residency, that are a part of this ministry, we get to celebrate them. And so we've had a few that we've got to send out, and we have another one now that we get to celebrate sending out. So where is, where is Savannah? Savannah, come here. We're going to embarrass Savannah for a second. That's, that's horrible. Now that you realize that this is Savannah, maybe you didn't know her name, you should be a lot louder than that. So come here, Savannah. Yeah. So, so Savannah is our fearless leader of worship. Uh, she wasn't up here tonight, but Savannah has some, some awesome things going on in her life. Uh, she got hired at a church down in Florida uh, to be one of their worship pastors, also get to have primary influence on their college ministry. So you're welcome. Uh, but the second side of it that's also exciting is that she's going to get married really soon. So show off, show off the bling. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. Uh, so Savannah's got a lot of fun, exciting things coming up in her life. But uh, I, before all of you, I'm just going to talk to her, and really this is from all of us. I can't thank you enough. Uh, I admire your leadership. I admire your presence. There are things we wanted to do in creating the environment of this place and how we do in worship. And you've been here for four months. And in the four short months, five short months, is it even five? Five months that you've been around with us, um, you've pushed it further than I ever could have on my own or we ever had before. So uh, I am deeply grateful that she has been here with us. And when we send people out, we send them out uh, with encouragement, with celebration, uh, but with support. So you are leaving and going to Florida, but you are always welcome back. Um, and you can bring that stud fiance of yours, too, because he's pretty cool as well. She thinks he's a stud, not me. Don't get it twisted. Hey, time out, time out, time out. Uh, but what we want to do is we just want to pray over Savannah. Um, she'll actually be here for a few more weeks, so we'll get to worship with her some more. Uh, but we want to pray over her, pray for her, 
uh, pray with her. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for her. And if you just want to raise out your hands, lift out your hands towards her and kind of join me in this. If you don't feel comfortable doing that or you're like, listen, that's a workout. And I don't really want that for my tries and my shoulders. It's fine. But I'm just trying to help you out. So let's all raise our hands. Let's bow our heads. We're just going to lift up Savannah. Tell God how thankful we are. So, Father, in this moment, Lord, I am uh, I'm filled with gratitude for this girl. I got to meet her the very first week that I took over C12, that I got to be in this position. And, Father, it was immediate of knowing I'm, I'm probably going to connect with this girl pretty well. Uh, but you orchestrated it to be uh, something that where we would get to do ministry together. You would allow us to be uh, partners in this. And you would allow me to work beside her. So, Father, I'm thankful that you've allowed me the gift of that. Uh, the joy of that, the blessing of that, Father. I thank you for her spirit. I thank you for her personality. I thank you that you've talented and gifted her far beyond just being able uh, to lead worship, Father. You've allowed her and you've molded her and you've um, raised her up to be a pastor first. And so, Father, I pray that her ministry would flourish, um, that her that her engagement uh, would be smooth, Father, and that it would be nothing but anticipation of the next season and the great things that you have in store for her. So all of us together are for her. We are behind her, we are with her, and it is with uh, incredible celebration and excitement that, Lord, we send her out. So may the next few weeks be overwhelmingly uh, filled with your blessing as we get to worship with her as she leads us. I thank you for the shepherd that's been in our presence for the last few months. God, would you continue to bless her and Robbie? We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, girl. Yes. So in two weeks, next week, Savannah's going to be doing other stuff because she's cool now and is too cool for us. But in two weeks, she's going to be back up here leading. So you don't want to miss those final two weeks of hanging out with Savannah. And now let's awkwardly jump into something else. Isn't that a great transition? Awesome. So what we want to do tonight is begin this series. Um, And a lot of the things we're going to talk about tonight, actually Savannah's going to be able to apply in her life. So you're welcome again. But for all of us. This is going to be something that we're going to go after uh, as, I think, a beginning of the series in a great way. Because what we're going to talk about tonight, I believe, is a predominant theme in this season of life. It's a predominant theme that all of you, if you aren't currently dealing with, you will deal with. And if you aren't currently dealing with it and you don't think that you will, probably you have before. And so what we want to talk about tonight is how to find a little bit of wisdom. And let's just jump right into it. My first question to you, how many of you currently are dating somebody? Raise your hand. You should be proud about that. Like, yeah, they're, listen, if they're in the room and you were like, mm, you should get slapped, all right? So how many of you are dating? Okay, awesome. How many of you are single and ready to mingle, right? Okay, no, leave, leave your hand up, leave your hand up, okay? Now, how many of you, put your hand down, that's, that's a lot of you. Uh, now, here's, this is going to be awesome. How many of you in the room are single but would like to be dating someone right now? Like, totally, you'd be down. If she came along, like, I'm good. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. Keep your hand raised. Keep your hand raised. Look around. You're welcome. Be smart. Okay, there it is. There's a field. Have fun. See, the truth is, is we talk about dating. A lot of you that are currently dating, you're like, awesome, I could probably get a lot from this. Those of you that are not dating, you're probably like, I don't want to hear another dating talk. Well, the truth of tonight is that what we're really talking about is health. What we're really talking about tonight is wisdom and applying the wisdom of the book of Proverbs and of the Bible into your life to be the healthiest possible person. Because whether or not you're dating anyone right now, what you can learn tonight is a foundation for the rest of your life. 
I'm married. I date one girl for the rest of my life, and all of you should be jealous because it is so much better than dating. But there are still truths of what we're going to talk about tonight that I practice in my marriage. So let's say, how many of you want to get married one day? If you would raise your hand, like they're eager. I didn't even say raise your hand, and you were like, oh, me? Pick me. <laughs> Just calm, calm down. Calm down. Um, I see Hunter up here. Hunter's going to get married soon, so he's like, that's right. <laughs> I win. But for all, yeah, you can, it's cool. Um, for all of you, though, there's a ton of wisdom. Now his friends are trying to embarrass him. There's a lot of wisdom you can gather from this talk tonight. Because as we talk about wisdom and dating and wisdom in relationships, it can really be boiled down to one word, boundaries. Boundaries. Now, some of you in the room might just been like, great, he's going to tell us what we can't do again. This is awesome. But what I would actually tell to you is that boundaries are the key to unlocking the full life. Because you can't operate life in the way it's designed to be operated or the way it's designed to be played without boundaries. Just in the same way that I can't play any sport and operate outside of boundaries. If I go try to play basketball and run up into the stands while I'm dribbling, I can't come back in and think it's just going to be all good. What happens if I'm playing basketball and I dribble into the stands? What's going to happen? I know I'm not going to look like an idiot. This is what's going to happen. He said I'm going to trip. I'm a little more graceful than that, okay? But I'm going to look like an idiot. And the same thing happens in your life. Whenever you try to have relationships, whenever you try to live a life without boundaries, you're going to end up looking like an idiot. Just call it what it is. Because there's incredible wisdom to gain from these boundaries. And we're going to talk about three primary boundaries with a little bonus one added in. And the three primary boundaries we're going to talk about tonight are relational boundaries, emotional boundaries, and sexual boundaries. Relational boundaries, emotional boundaries, and sexual boundaries. If you are missing any of these, you better be writing a lot of notes down. And if you think you got them all down, guess what? You don't. You better be writing a lot of notes down. Because this is crucial for the rest of your life. And here's how I know that this is crucial. Because living with those boundaries means that you're living with wisdom. And the Bible tells us specifically the importance of living with wisdom. Of not being a fool. By definition, a fool. But being someone who's wise, who pursues wisdom in their life. And so what I want to do is actually go into where it talks about this, the importance of this. And we see it in the book of Proverbs. So we're going to read from this Bible tonight. There's one under your chair or under the chair in front of you. Go ahead and grab one. Turn there with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Over the next few weeks, it would be very wise of you, keyword. Go ahead and start reading the book of Proverbs. What we're going to do in this series is have uh, some different people coming in to speak on specific topics that you can apply to your life. But most of the wisdom that we're going to pull from is going to come from the book of Proverbs. This is like a fountain of wisdom that you can drink from and you can never get enough of. So turn to Proverbs chapter 4. It's page 631 in this Bible. And we're going we're gonna to have some fun. We're going to read Proverbs. We're going to learn the wisdom. And we're going to see why we need to do it. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Let's go. Listen, my sons and my daughters, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son or a daughter to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake my wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. 
get wisdom. I'm glad you're laughing. You picked up on that. The beginning of wisdom is this. Freaking get it. Go after it. Pursue it. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all that you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son and my daughter, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it and do not travel on it. Turn away from it and go on your own way. For they cannot, the evil cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Turn the page. Verse 18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, for they do not know what makes them stumble. My son, my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are the life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do. Every single thing that you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thoughts to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. And if we could go back to one specific verse in chapter 4, it's verse 23. It says this, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, if you just listen to what we talked about for a minute and read the entire chapter, if you forget all of it, if you forget every single piece of it, don't forget this. Above all else, guard your heart for every single thing that you do in your life in your future, in your relationships, flows from it. Guard your heart. And so what we want to do is talk about the wisdom of how to actually play that out. And what we're going to do is actually start <laughs> by doing exactly what Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom of this, get wisdom. So let's do it. Let's jump in. And let's go after it. And let's get some wisdom through the talk and the, the understanding of boundaries. And so the first boundary we're going to talk about is relational boundaries. Relational boundaries. And no, this isn't just necessarily relationships. This is all relationships, not just dating relationships. All relationships. You need a healthy perspective of what a healthy relationship actually is. And so I've said it before, and maybe you remember it, but what is the definition of a healthy relationship? Two healthy people in a relationship. And so you got to get healthy. In order to do that, you got to have the right influences and the right people around you. you got to have the right community. And so you need relational boundaries. And to further drive home the point that I'm going to teach on this topic, rather than me saying it, I thought I'd show you the proof of what we're going to be teaching. So I've shown this before, and it has in no way lost its luster. I think it's absolutely incredible. And if you want to laugh at it or you want to disagree with it, go ahead. But here we go. We're going to watch a study, a case study on what it looks like to have and why we need relational boundaries. Y'all check it out. Here we are at the um, Utah State University Library 
for some interviewing to ask people if they believe that men and women can be just friends. Um, so let's go inside and see what we can find. Do you believe that men and women can be just friends? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yes, I do. Is it? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> it'd be hard to do. Yes. I mean, we're all men. I know. So, of course, we're going to have those feelings. And we can, we can be content with just friendship, but, and we can be silent regarding those feelings, but we're going to have them. Yes. <laughs> no. 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 Yes. 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 I, I don't believe so. No. I guess what I'm saying is no. Okay, good. Backpack girl, Greg, and then Okay, we'll walk with you. Do you believe men and women can be just friends? Um, yeah. Yes. Yes? Okay, do you have any guy friends right now who you're just friends with? Yeah, oh yeah, um, all my best friends are guys. Dave. Trevor. Trevor. Taylor Mulford. Bobby. Yeah. How long have you known Trevor? Two years. Of those guy friends? Do you think any of them secretly like you? And be honest. Probably, yeah. Do you think that guy is interested in you? Yes. <laughs> okay, maybe you can only be just friends in high school, because most guys won't just be my friend. Would Dave hook up with you if, if you gave him the chance? Well, yeah. Do you think Trevor liked you? Yes. And yes, I know he did. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Would he hook up with you if you wanted to hook up? So he likes you. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is men and women can't be friends. No, we can be friends. But you're just friends, but he likes you. Yes. <laughs> so it's a one-sided friendship. That was one instance. If she wanted to hook up, would you hook up? Oh, totally. Okay. Look at her. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic. I need the truth. Seriously, yeah. All right, there we go. All right, that's perfect. Okay, cut, cut. Because of physical attraction, it's not possible. But you said, I just want to be just friends. Yeah. Now, do you literally believe that he is not interested in you at all? <laughs> oh, yes! Yes! That's what I'm talking about! As we can see, um, after interviewing everyone in the library, um, it is impossible for men and women to be <laughs> just friends. <laughs> and under no circumstances can it happen. Um, that's a wrap. <laughs> so, so how many of you would say that men and women can just be friends? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you would say that, no, it's impossible. They're not just friends. Okay. So we're a divided room. Now, I knew that this point would be uh, one that we could discuss, but I also knew that it might desire or it might need a little bit of follow-up behind it. See, you can absolutely be friends with people of the opposite sex. In your circles, you can have girls that, you're, that are your friends. But relational boundaries tell you that the primary influences in your life should not be someone of the opposite sex. Because you are not designed to share yourself that way with anybody except for your husband or your wife. You are not designed to give yourself, connect yourself, tether yourself to anybody other than who you're married to. So... If you look around and you're like, yeah, I got a lot of really close friends that are girls, and you're a guy, most likely you think at least one of them is highly attractive, and the others are probably her friend. I love that you're laughing because that means this is true. 
I've been there. And girls, if you got a bunch of guys that are your friends, either A, something's wrong with them, or B, something's probably wrong with them. The wisdom of the season of life that you're in is to live with relational boundaries because when later on in life you develop a relationship that turns into marriage, you need to have the wisdom of understanding proper relationships with people of the opposite sex. And so start the wisdom of it now. So my, I'm married, her name's Larson. I talk about her a lot because she's incredible. And one thing that I make sure that Larson never feels is threatened. So the only girls in my life, besides people that I work with, the only girls in my life that I would consider myself friends with are either my wife's friends or my friend's wives. Everybody's taken. So anytime I'm around in a circle talking to someone, she never has the thought of, hmm, I wonder who that is. See, wisdom says you limit yourself. You put a boundary around the relationships you have. I had a ton of friends in high school that were girls. And the truth is I thought most of them were really attractive. And maybe something could have happened one day. Probably not. But listen, the truth is we were really good flirts. That's really the basis of what it was. And so the moment I started dating Larson, I realized all that's gone. None of that really matters. I got my boys. I got my crew. I got my squad. And that's really the main thing that I need in my life is that. And see, when you live with relational boundaries, you set yourself up in a way to live with wisdom. Because the moment you cross relational boundaries, you make yourself very susceptible to crossing other boundaries as well. Because what you're saying is you need the connection. You need the community. And whenever you find that sense of confidence from anyone else other than God, if you find it in your community and you find it in one other person, you're crossing the next boundary, and that's emotional boundaries. So you need relational boundaries. Guys, your primary crew should be guys in this season of life. Girls, your primary crew should be girls. And yes, you'll compete or you'll live in the same circles. And you'll be able to be friends and acquaintances with people of the opposite sex. But the best wisdom you can have in your life is to live with those boundaries so that you don't cross the other boundaries, which are emotional boundaries. Now, when we talk about emotional boundaries in dating, I'm not saying that you should totally um, alienate yourself emotionally from the person that you're dating. That's in no way what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is over-investing yourself emotionally way too fast. So the moment that you start giving yourself away to somebody, you're giving them a piece of the key to your health. And when it comes to your emotions, if you are dating someone or you're in any relationship and you can't answer this next question in the right way, you've crossed emotional boundaries. Here's the key to know if, whether or not you've crossed them. If they left, would you be okay? If they left, bye, would you be okay? Probably most of you would say, yeah, screaming no. Now, here's the truth of it. If at any moment you would say, you know what, I'm, I wouldn't be okay, then whenever you cross that emotional boundary, you've committed f something far worse than simply crossing a boundary. Let's talk about what's actually happening whenever you cross it. When you cross an emotional boundary with someone else, what you're saying is that they become the source of your confidence. 
So now I'm confident, I'm more confident, I'm more of who I am. My strength, my significance comes from the fact that there's a reciprocation of somebody liking me. I can like them and give affection to them, and look, they're giving it back to me. When that becomes the center of who you are, you've crossed a boundary that's really hard to come back from. You see, the moment you find your confidence in anything other than God, what you're doing is you're placing that thing over God. You're saying, my identity comes from the fact that you like me, and so now I feel better about myself. And because of that, I'm going to place it over God because I need this more than I need God. And there's a name for that. It's called idolatry, and it's a sin. And so if you are in a relationship where you're crossing emotional boundaries, you're living in a relationship of sin. It's not how you were designed to live. Because you were designed to have a relationship where you give yourself emotionally to someone else only once in your life. And it's with your spouse. In a minute, when we get to the next boundaries, you're going you're gonna to hear the idea of what happens whenever you do cross boundaries too many times. Whenever you do that and you, and you circumvent the design of how God has designed you to live relationally, to live within dating, to live with wisdom. Whenever you circumvent it, things get really dangerous. And here's the other side of it. This is, that's like the spiritual side, but there's a practical side of this. It's just not good. Guys, let me, let, let me, let me get you in on something, all right? Let me learn you something for just a second. If you ever want to date a girl, Hopefully, you do at some point. If you ever want to date a girl and you decide that you're going to find all of your confidence from the fact that this girl is standing next to you holding your hand and you got a Facebook status that you're in a relationship, if that's the source of your confidence, you know what's going to happen? She's going to smell it and she's going to leave. Girls have another sense about them. Girls, y'all can totally be like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's right. Girls have a sense about them. The moment you aren't confident, guys, the moment you're not that, she's going to see it and be like, ooh, I'm, nope, not what I thought that was. Bye. (laughs) It's going to happen. I know because it happened to me time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Thank you for the reassurance of how awful I was when I was growing up appreciate that. But it's totally true because girls can smell it. The moment you, the moment they see that your confidence comes from them, they're not now freed up to just be with you because you put such a, such a responsibility on them to withhold everything of you. You've made them God and they will forever disappoint you. And they know that. And nobody wants that pressure because they weren't designed to have that pressure. All that's on God, not them. Now, the other side of it is that, guys, if you're ever dating a girl and you're emotionally over-investing and crossing that boundary and she loves it, she's unhealthy. You should never want somebody that wants a stage five clinger. My wife is more freed up to love me because she knows that I don't need her. And girls, like, you're not out of the, you're not out of the woods on this. It's the exact same in the flip. If you keep seeking out some guy to fulfill something within you, you are unhealthy. You are emotionally crossing boundaries. No guy can fulfill you because no guy was designed to fulfill you. The moment you look for anybody else to fulfill you in that way, what you're saying is, I'm going to make you my God. 
But we're not made to be gods. God is God. So the proper wisdom of a relationship says, I don't need you. I get to be with you. One person. I love it. Thank you. Hmm. Now, the whole reason I'm talking about this, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, oh, crap. I'm not like, man, I'm not good at this. Uh, neither was I. But I had to learn it. I had to learn it because one day I knew I wanted a marriage that thrived, didn't just survive. I wanted the best possible marriage. I wanted to live a life that I desired. But nothing in life worthwhile can you coast into. Everything worthwhile in life is uphill. You have to work for all of it. So in the season of life that you're in right now, if you don't have this wisdom, it's time to go work on it, boo-boo. It's time to get this stuff. Because you're not by default going to get to maturity. you got to work on it. You're never born into maturity. It's something you work on. I know that because I have children. They are not mature. And guess what? Think about where you were five years ago. Mature is probably not the word that you would use to describe yourself. But five years from now, if you don't do anything to change, you'd look back at yourself now and say, mm, wish I could have done something because I'm still immature. You got to think about it now. You got to build wisdom into your relationships and you can't cross the emotional boundaries. The moment you cross the emotional boundaries, what you do is you say that everything of who you are is wrapped up in this other person. And typically when that happens, you no longer are allowing your faith to determine what you do. You're hinging everything you have on whether or not she's being nice to you today. And so the big question that you got to ask when thinking about emotional boundaries is this. Does your, do your emotions control your heart or does your heart control your emotions? Do you waver in the wind on whether or not she actually calls you back or responds to your text? Or do you realize, I don't need them. If I lost everything and only had God, I would be okay. When you can say that, you're, you're determining the choice within your heart is, I'm going to make my heart and my faith control everything of my emotions, rather than my emotions controlling my faith. So the next time things go bad, it doesn't matter. You can still stay and hold fast to who you are. Because your identity doesn't come from those circumstances. It comes from something that's constant. It comes from God. Do your emotions control your heart, or does your heart control your emotions? I didn't get this. I never understood this in my dating life. From the time, and I like, I'm, I guess, a little weird because I can date it back, but I, I remember probably every girlfriend I've ever had, um, and it's more than like two, so slow down, all right? I got a good memory. Great recall. The first one, I was four years old. Her name was Amber. She was a ginger, and I won. Because um, we would compete all the time because we were four. We'd like play tag and I'd win. Um, every single time that I dated somebody, I would say starting in middle school, what would happen is I would get into the relationship for whatever reason she'd like me. And I was like, sweet, yeah, let's go. And then we'd start dating. And even if it was like four weeks, which is an eternity in eighth grade, but four weeks, which turned into four months, or it was even a longer amount of time, I'd get into these relationships starting in middle school. And I would overinvest myself emotionally, and then she would smell it, because it happens, and she'd leave, and I'd be crushed. Like, I became an embarrassment. 
Like in eighth grade, I would have to go into the bathroom so that I could cry. Like it's not a pretty sight. Thank you for laughing at me. I've already laughed at myself. Really appreciate that. That's exactly how it was. Good, good looking out, Ryan. This, is, this was middle school, but guess what? It didn't stop in middle school. My immaturity came with me into high school. And so I started dating a girl freshman year, and I thought she was incredible because she was a sophomore. For no other reason, she was older, and I had, like, mad games. So she started dating me. But then she broke up with me, and I was like, hmm, this sucks. And then a later, little bit later, another girl came along my sophomore year and started dating her. And then we dated for off and on for about two years, and she would run over me all the time. Don't all I sucked, all right? It wasn't her, it was me. I let her run over me because I gave everything of my emotions, everything of my security, everything of my significance to this 16-year-old girl. Dumb. Like, girls, think about where you were at 16. Is that a smart decision? Mm-mm. Nope. And guess what? For a lot of you, it's still not a smart decision. Because for none of you, it's a smart decision. You should never fully give any of that of who you are to someone else, ever. Don't ever cross that emotional boundary. I did it in high school for two years, and then I did it in college again, and then I did it in college right after college one more time. And then finally I realized God in his kindness destroyed me, ruined me to this, crushed me. It took me getting super depressed to finally realize If I lost everything and only had God, I'd be okay. God is my portion. God is my love, my joy, my peace, not anybody else. And here's the other side of it. It's not just a a specific person. It's even the idea of a person. I wanted a wife more than I wanted God. That is idolatry. It's sin, and it would have taken me out. You can't cross the emotional boundary and think that you can live the full life. You were not designed to cross a boundary like that in any capacity until you get married. So are you committing, are you sacrificing emotional purity in dating? A lot of times when we talk about purity, we think that purity is just sex. It's sexual. It's physical. But purity is a lifestyle. It's everything. It's what you take into your brain. It's the way that you live. It's fully encompassing of who you are. So are you sacrificing emotional purity in your relationships? Because the moment you do, the moment you cross that boundary, the moment you cross that line, you leave yourself susceptible to the last two boundaries. And the first one's kind of the bonus round. This one is maybe not talked about a lot. You've probably heard about one side of this a lot. The second one you probably haven't, and that second one is a spiritual boundary. Now, this is not right or wrong. Like, the Bible's clear. Life is clear. Morality is clear. If you have sex before you're married, that's sin. It's wrong. Don't do it. But this isn't necessarily on that same plane, but it's just a little nugget of wisdom that maybe you can take and apply to your life. I never prayed with a girl until I got married. The first time I ever prayed with my wife was on the altar. We took communion, and then we prayed together. Now, I would pray for her, and, like, you know, we would talk about our faith, and we would grow in that capacity, but we never sat down and, like, all right, let's pray. Father, I pray for the two. Like, we never intimately went into prayer in that capacity. You want to know why? Because I wanted to make sure that the only association I ever had of my spiritual life with another person would be the person I'd get that association with for the rest of my life. In the same way that I don't want to have a bunch of sexual partners to associate my sexuality with, that when I get into my marriage and now I've got thoughts and memories and associations of other people, 
I didn't want that in my spiritual life either. I didn't want to go into praying with my wife or my spiritual connectedness with my wife. And I'd already given pieces of that away to other girls when I was dating. See, there's a spiritual boundary that allows you to live with full wisdom. And a lot of times in our pursuit of finding somebody that's equally yoked, is she a Christian? Is, is he a good guy? What we do is we might keep all the other boundaries there, but we cross a spiritual boundary. And we start operating like we're married even though we're not. Because when you get married, it is two spirits becoming one. Two become one. One flesh. So my wife and I share spirit. And when this occurs, it is an intimacy with God that thankfully I don't have to think of. I've already cheated on her in that capacity for the rest of my life. It's only her. See, there's a spiritual boundary that you can't cross. You can't circumvent the design of how God, in his wisdom, has laid out the full life that you can have. Because the moment you cross emotional boundaries and the moment you cross spiritual boundaries, what actually happens is you are much more susceptible to crossing the last one, sexual boundaries. So when we talk about crossing sexual boundaries, first, what I want you to know is we're not talking about just physical acts you can do. Like, if we're all about getting wisdom and applying it to our life, then let's just not get it twisted. Don't for a second think that you can have full sexual boundaries in your life and experience the full relationship that God might have designed for you. If you sit there and continue to take into your heart, right, guard your heart for everything you do flows flows through it, flows from it. Don't think you can sit there and continue looking at porn and watching those TV shows and checking out whatever's on Victoria's Secret or reading those books or emotionally giving yourself away. Don't think you can go do those things on your own and then continue to keep sexual boundaries in your relationship. That's backwards. It's foolish. And I would actually say and go a step further, if you do that and then you cross sexual boundaries, that act that you just did in your relationship is actually the opposite of love. Whenever we get in relationships like, we want to fall in love. But whenever we say that, it's this fleeting emotional feeling. And so maybe what we need to have to begin this last talk on the, on the boundary is, what's a proper context of love? What actually is love? Because crossing sexual boundaries is actually the opposite of love in a dating relationship. And so what is love? Well, the biblical definition of love, the best one I've ever heard, came from this dude named Bodie Bauckham. I'll put it on the screen. It's this. Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. Now, I didn't have to look at a screen or a note. I have that memorized. Because eight and a half years ago in Athens, when I was in college, I heard Vody Bauckham say this in a teaching at the church that I attended. And Larson, my now wife, when we were dating, even before we broke up for the season that we did, was sitting right next to me. And it stuck with us. And now it's become a mantra, a definition, a banner of how we experience our marriage. Biblical love is an act of the will, accompanied by emotion. Or as C.S. Lewis says, love is not an affectionate feeling. Love's not a feeling. Like Cupid is a freaking lie. You don't get hit with an arrow and, oh my gosh, they're the best ever. It's not an affectionate feeling. Love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. Love is a choice accompanied by emotion. That leads to action, so it's not passive, but it leads to action not for your sake, but for the sake of the beloved. Leads to action for the other person. 
And if you cross sexual boundaries, guess what? It's all about you. It's all about you, and it's all about a problem deep within you that has much more to do with just your sexuality. It has to do with the opposite of love. So maybe you've heard this before. A lot of people would say that the opposite of love is hate, but they would be wrong. The opposite of love is pride. Because love makes it all about the other person. Pride makes it all about you. And if in your dating relationships you are crossing sexual boundaries, you're saying two things. One, you're saying, I don't respect you. Because if I had the best interest in my mind out for you, then I would keep a sexual boundary for you, for your betterment, for your sake. So whenever you cross that boundary, you're telling the other person, I don't really respect you. I'm all about getting my fix, my fill, and my emotions. But the second thing you're doing is you're slapping God in the face and you're saying, I don't trust you. Because God has designed a relationship sexually to be fully embraced and enjoyed inside the confines and inside the sacred communion of marriage. And so anytime you operate and you circumvent that sexual boundary, you're saying, God, thanks but no thanks, you don't really know best, I'm going to go do me. And in that moment, that rebellion you are acting in the exact same way that the angel Lucifer did when he was in heaven, when he was cast out and became Satan. See, pride is the original sin. It is the core, the source of every single sin that we commit. So when you cross sexual boundaries, you're not loving the other person. You're acting selfishly out of pride. And see, the danger in it is that whenever you cross an emotional boundary, whenever you cross a spiritual boundary, whenever you cross a sexual boundary, what's actually occurring is that you are tethering yourself to somebody else. But you weren't designed to tether yourself to anybody except one person, your spouse. But even as you tether yourself to your spouse, they're not the source of your love and joy and peace. So finding Mr. Right is not going to fix your problems. And finding that girl is not going to make you a better man. Your spouse will never complete you because they were never designed to do that. When God made Adam in the garden and all of his creation, it was perfect. And God said, you know what? I'm going to add a little something to him, a little extra credit, a little bonus. He's already perfect. He doesn't need any fixing. But maybe he needs some help. Maybe he needs a companion. So your spouse is not designed to complete you. They're designed to be a companion to you, to become a best friend, to become somebody you adventure and journey and live with and grow old with, and create a story with. But that person is fully on their own, and and unless you live now with the wisdom and the foundation of boundaries in dating, you are actually sacrificing the blessing and the joy that you will experience in your marriage. So let's, let's look at it from the flip side. You ready for this? How many of you one day would like to be married? And this isn't like a look around, and there it is. No. How many of you one day would like to be married? Raise your, like, you should be proud of that. Yeah, that's right. Me, raise your hand. Okay. Now, with all hands raised, almost every single hand in the room is raised. If not all, almost all. How many of you want to marry someone? Girls, how many of you want to marry a guy that slept around with dozens of girls? Guys, how many of you want to marry a girl who's given herself away sexually to a handful of guys? To plenty of guys. I don't think any single person in this room would say, you know what, that's what I want. I want a girl with so much sexual baggage that it's just overwhelming in the relationship, like it defines us. That sounds great. 
And if none of you in the room would say that you want that for your spouse, do you think your spouse wants that for you? Mm -mm. And the likelihood that the person you're actually dating becomes your spouse is actually quite small. So the moment you cross those boundaries with anyone that you're dating, if they don't become your spouse, you just cheated on someone else's. You just committed essentially adultery in the past with someone else's spouse. And one day, there's going to be a girl or a guy that you're going to meet. And it's going to be incredible because you're going to get married. And marriage is incredibly fun, hard work. And then the moment you step into marriage, all the things that have happened in the past are going to come into your relationship. I would rather make sure that I'm bringing the least amount of baggage possible into that relationship with the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life and love sacrificially. So do you see now why boundaries matter? Because even if you don't experience it and think of it right now, think about it for the future. Think about it down the road. So some practical advice at the emotional boundary is to ask the question, does my heart, do my emotions control my heart or does my heart control my emotions? And to think about through the, through the facet of if they left, would I be okay? But the, the practical advice for the sexual boundary, because maybe you're thinking like, well, then what can I do? What, is it, what does a wall look like? What does a boundary look like that I shouldn't cross? What's some easy advice? Here it is. You ready? It's the simplest thing ever. Never be alone. Never be horizontal. It's like math. Do it. Run it in your head. Play out the equation. Never be alone. Never be horizontal. Because if you're in public and you're vertical and stuff's still happening, you've got a whole other set of issues. It's that easy. Never be alone. Never be horizontal. The whole reason why every single time I sacrificed my sexual purity, every time, you know what I was doing? I was alone with a girl and we got horizontal. Like it's not difficult. And there is a way to date with wisdom, even in the season of life that you're in. You're not in high school anymore. Things aren't regimented. Some of you live on your own. Some of you are young professionals. Some of you are in college. But even in this season, there's a way to date with wisdom. Go on dates. Don't just come around Netflix and chill. Go on dates. Go on double dates. Go on a date. Invite the girl over to your family's house and have some grub. Because if you're sitting in the living room and your parents are in the kitchen and you get horizontal, like, it's already weird. And I guarantee you, dad's going to come out with a shotgun. So, boys, don't, don't do it, all right? Never be alone. Never be horizontal. It's simple, a simple nugget of wisdom that you can apply to your life to have a, a sexual boundary. So as you live out boundaries, as you, as you practice Proverbs 4, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Here's the wisdom. Apply it. Start living this way. The last thing I want you to leave with tonight, if you forget everything I just said, don't do that. But if you did, the one thing I want you to hear is this. There is grace on grace on grace on grace. It doesn't matter how many boundaries you've crossed and how many times you've crossed them. Your past does not have to determine your future. Right now, today, you can choose to put up boundaries in your life. If you're in an unhealthy or a sinful relationship that's operating outside of the boundaries of how God has designed it, you can get out of that relationship. Don't sit in sin. Be obedient to him. Because the moment you say, man, I've, like, 
I'm so dirty. I've crossed so many boundaries. I've messed up so much. I've ruined this other person. I've done all this, and what do I have left now? God says, you have my grace, you have my forgiveness, and you have my love. And so at this moment, I can turn that around and make it the most beautiful thing ever. God loves you so much that he saves you exactly as he finds you, but he loves you too much to leave you as he found you. He doesn't want you to stay in this state. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to experience the full life that he offers. But in order to do that, you got to get back inside those boundaries of how he has designed life to be lived. And so what you do is you go and ask for forgiveness. It's what I had to do. I was not a virgin when I was married. I dated this girl named Larson. And we had sex one time before we were married. One time. And, and the awful truth that someone asked me when I told them this, they're like, so like before you were a Christian, like you had sex one time? And then, like, no. Like, I'm, I'm in the residency. I'm working at the church. I'm a pastor. And I cross sexual boundaries. Even in that moment, God's grace was great enough to come right at me full force. Because we crossed the sexual boundary, and then we both realized real quick that wasn't good. That, that's not how we should be living. And so together, individually and together, we asked God for forgiveness. And we, de- we determined we're never going to do that again while we're dating. And so for the next year and a half, we never did. We put up sexual boundaries and we kept them. And on our wedding day, I was able to give my wife a gift of purity. See, your purity is not determined by your sexual history. You are, not, you, are not, you are not only capable of giving your spouse purity if you're a virgin. Because the, from the day that you determine that you're going to put up the boundary and live inside of that, inside God's grace, inside his forgiveness, and with his wisdom, there's a gift of purity that you receive. Because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus if you have him. He doesn't see the mistakes that you've made. He doesn't see the sin in your life. He sees Jesus, and Jesus is perfect, and Jesus is spotless, and so are you. If you continue to live inside and trust and obey the boundaries he's created for the full life, the best possible life in relationships. So get inside it. Get God's blessing, and then create a life of purity emotionally, relationally, spiritually, sexually. So that one day, whenever you walk into the relationship, the greatest relationship you'll ever experience in life, guys with a wife one day, girls with a husband one day, you'll have a gift you can give them that can build the foundation of an incredible marriage. But don't think you can continue to operate and circumvent all those boundaries and experience the fullness of life. It's the wisdom of Proverbs. It's the wisdom of the Bible, and it's the wisdom of how you were created. So we got to get inside them. There's grace. Don't walk out here feeling condemned. Walk out here feeling, walk out of this place with hope. Man, I messed up a lot, but you know what? God's love is greater than my mistakes, and I'm forgiven. That's the last song we sang before, before I came up here. We're forgiven, and you are too. You just got to go and seek him. Go and find it because he loves you, and so do I. So I want to see you live with wisdom. I'm going to keep going after this, this entire series, and I think it's going to be awesome because it's going to allow y'all to live the full life that Jesus offers. Let me pray for y'all. So, Father, I thank you for the truth of this. God, I thank you that we don't have to be obsessed with a boy or a girl. 
We don't have to be obsessed with an idea of a boy or a girl. The truth is we can be obsessed with you because if we lost everything and only had you, God, at the core of who we are, we would be okay. So, Father, my ask is in this room tonight, you would allow your wisdom to hit home. You would allow your truth to be something that's lived out. And that you would allow people that are right now feeling condemned, feeling guilty, feeling shameful, feeling pain, feeling hurt. God, I pray that your grace would flood into their hearts. And they would be so overwhelmed with your mercy and with your love that they would understand. It doesn't matter anything of what they've done. All they have to do now is choose to trust and obey and to ask for forgiveness and to turn around and come home to you. Because you want the full life for us. So, Father, may we not circumvent your boundaries. May we do whatever it takes above all else. May we do whatever it takes to guard our hearts, to protect that, and to honor you with our relationships. So, Father, I pray that you would provide blessing to our circles of influence. You provide blessing to the potential of dating that we may have. You provide blessing right now to the marriages that these people will get to experience in life. And, Father, if marriage is incredibly fun, hard work, then while you're dating, there's a lot more hard work than there is fun. But the incredible fun will come. So, Father, may they experience that in the fullness of your blessing and the fullness of your wisdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, typically, whenever we, uh, whenever we end here, we get a time for response, a moment of, of going back into worship. But not tonight. Because here's the deal. We want you to go live this. We want you to have fun. We want there to be energy. We want you to enjoy being in this place. So we are done for the night. That is it. And on your way out, I highly encourage you to actually practice what it looks like to have spiritual maturity, to grow up. Start loving on others more than yourself. And a great way we get to do that at C12 is with the Habitat for Humanity build. So there are computers out in the lobby. Go sign up. Get your small group to sign up. Let's fill that thing up. I love y'all. We'll see you here next week.